I'm Stevie B and this is Speak Up Sunderland. Like a million sparkling diamonds, its moonlit mirrors catch the eye. Framed by Siam's ancient trees, it's night along the choir. Two birds cast fleeting shadows as late they homeward fly. While heroes sleep, a wild thing cries, it's night along the choir. This is Len Gibson, B.E.M. He's reading from his collection of poetry, which he's compiled over the past hundred years of his life. You've heard that right. Len Gibson turned 100 years old on the 3rd of January this year. The BEM, after his name, stands for British Empire Medal, which Len was awarded in recognition of his service to the community. Len's regarded as not only a hero in Sunderland, but also a national hero. In camp where men are resting, there's many a moan or sigh betrays the sadness of their life along the river Kwai. By day they are forced to labour in heat or monsoon rain, tired and weak from hunger with naught to ease their pain. Their busy toil is over for just another day. The sun that burned and blistered has dipped and passed away. During the Second World War, Len was a member of the 125 Anti-Tank Regiment Royal Artillery. Between 1942 and 1945, Len was held as a Far East prisoner of war. He was forced by the Japanese Empire to work on a railway which stretches between Thailand and Burma, the Death Railway. Len was one of the estimated 180,000 to 250,000 prisoners of war who were subjected to forced labour on the railway. There's quiet on the railroad track, the tools are put away. No yelling guards, no hammering, no noise. It's time to rest and pray. And thank the Lord that one survives, survived just one more day. And pray for those whose work is done, who've sadly passed away. The air is cold, the huts are dark, men lie in pensive mood, dreaming of those they've left behind, those they dearly love. Someone pleads for water. Another cries in pain. That corporal with a troubled mind is wandering again. I wonder if poor Robin will last another day. It seemed like only yesterday his best friend passed away. The sergeant has a little boy he says will soon be three. I doubt he'll never see the day he'll sit him on his knee. And what of that poor Highlander? They tied up to a tree. For hours the poor lads suffered them before they set him free. And some will never leave Siam. In quiet there they'll lie, a victim of inhumanity along the river Kwai. So let us high remember them, no words of praise too high, for there they lie, our honoured dead, along the river Kwai. Two birds cast fleeting shadows as late they homeward fly, while heroes sleep in eternal peace along the river Kwai. There are stories of Len's character and optimism, 
even during those dark days of close to starvation and torture. According to the Sunder Neko, Len created a makeshift guitar out of old wooden crate and wires and would sing to his fellow prisoners to keep up their spirits. That passion for music continued throughout Len's life. After being liberated in 1945, Len returned to Sunderland to become a music teacher, passing on his passion for songs and storytelling to new generations. And later, he became deputy head teacher before retiring. If anyone deserves a peaceful retirement, it's Len. Len, thank you. Len's a well-known figure here in Sunderland. Usually Len would be delivering a reading at our city's Remembrance Parade. It's one of the biggest parades in the UK, the biggest outside of London. This year, because of the ongoing lockdown, the Remembrance Parade is moving online. Sunderland City Council are creating a series of short films alongside the day. Remembrance Day, for me, incredibly emotional. There's not a time goes by when I either watch it on TV or I go down to Mowbray Park in Sunderland and I don't fill up. Um, oh, see, it's happening already. I'm 52 now and one thing I love about Remembrance Day is it's all ages. It never sort of loses any impact every year. It never loses attraction to people. It just seems to get bigger and bigger every year. It's it's very important and I'm just really proud of what it is. So people get there about nine o'clock. People stand there at nine o'clock or even eight o'clock lining up. So you're talking about three hours of people standing there and generally these are like the old soldiers that's there as well. So the court and the field of court. The last post is something that you can't replace with something else. It's just the perfect piece of music. It's, it's short, it's sharp, it's very, very simple. It's incredibly poignant. We'll never experience the world war that they have had, whether it be the First World War or the Second World War. The torture that they went through, the mental torture that they went through. I used to speak to my granddad, uh, my great granddad actually, uh, who actually went through both world wars. We used to think he was grumpy, but when he used to tell us the stories of what he went through, he felt really ashamed. He had to leave his mate in, in, in the trenches just to go and I think he was get a cup of tea or something. Five minutes he was away and when he come back, He's made it being blown up. And I can't even I can't even even begin to comprehend what that's like. He said he's seen limbs all over the place. He's seen is enough blood that, that he that he wants to say he's seen like diseases like trench foot, where it just because you are standing in water all day, it just rots your feet. And this is a man I used to call a grumpy granddad. Come on, lads. 
when you see the veterans, firstly, you see some of them walking down the Sunderland one. Some of them can just barely walk. Some of them are in wheelchairs. Some of them are smiling, though. Some of them are laughing because they're seeing the friends. They maybe they haven't been out the house for long, but they've all got this camaraderie. They've all got this connection together because they've been through something that we, thankfully, will probably never experience. Way back in 1939, in the first few weeks of the war, the men of Sunderland's 125 were guarding Sunderland shore, digging trenches, manning guns, filling bags with sand, guarding important buildings and patrolling round the land. One small group was sent to watch the harbour by Roker Pier, and they marched out down Dowdlands Road and carrying all their gear arms and ammunition, things they were to eat, like bread and butter and tins of soup and jars and things of meat. The officer, young and smart, marched proudly to the fore, secretly worrying what troubles lay in store. They trooped past Roper's bathing sands and, nearing the old pier, stopped at a disused custom shed wherein they dumped the gear. The officer addressed the men. I want a volunteer. I need someone to cook for us while we are stationed here. Not a sound was heard. Not a muscle twitched. Even the bird gulls overhead lost their calling. Those one, two, five men, they just stared straight ahead. Not one of them was volunteering. Come, come, said the officer. We can't do things by half. This food of ours will start to rot and then you'll have to starve. I'll cook, sir, said Tommy Glickon, if you cannot find another. Oh, and have you cooked before, my man? No, sir, but I have watched my mother. And what might you prepare for us, said the officer with great doubt. I'll mack you what my mother macks, a pudding in a clout. With that, the officer had no choice, but went off with his troop, leaving poor Geldart Cleghorn, proverbially in the soup. Now, Cleghorn's culinary prowess was less than elemental, but he knew to make a clouty pud a cloth was an essential. He looked to all the things they'd brought and began to sort them out. Ingredients were everywhere, but nowhere was a clout. At last he saw a cupboard and he prized open a creaking door and nigh a hundred signalling flags fell out upon the floor. At twelve o'clock the men returned ready for their food, anxious to see what Tom had made of his mother's sout clouty pudding. Well, some said the green bits tasted nice, and some preferred the blue, and Tommy Youngie said the best bit was of its crimson hue. The officer reserved judgment. He'd sampled French cuisine, but he did admit that pudding was the most colourful ever seen. And so history was made in that old Roker shed, and thanks to one man's initiative, some hungry troops were fed. Now, you may watch all Delia Smith's programmes, read every book on food, but you'll never find a recipe for a Cleghorn's clouty pud. <laughs> there is reached 100, is incredible that he's been through world wars and reached 100 is incredible. He's not only gone through the war, but then tried to cheer his mates up through the war. <laughs> I just love it. I would just like to, to sit next to him and just let him talk. 
because I, I think he, he would have a, a million stories, wouldn't he? he, he it's just a Sunderland lad who does what Sunderland people do. You know, when all the, when all the chips are down, I will just inject a bit of humour. <laughs> that's what we do, you know, and that's what we're all doing now through the pandemic. Uh, you hear your people laughing and joking in the street now because what else can we do? Just bring a bit of humour in. And clearly, Len is is of that character, isn't he? Clearly, he is. There's this hushed respect from start to finish. But you know what? Then after that, after the 11 o'clock, when you have the last post on the trumpet, it's like a celebration afterwards. There's like navy bars and army bars in Sunderland that everybody then goes to afterwards. And it's like a party. I think it's just because it's like a release afterwards. But you, you hear the conversations, you hear old soldiers talking to young soldiers, soldiers talking to members of the public. Such a thing to be, to be like proud of. Not just because it's Remembrance Day, but because we have the, the biggest one outside of London. I mean, how brilliant is that? We sometimes see our little city. <laughs> it's just what we see in Sunderland. We're very quick to, to put down what we haven't got or how bad something is. And this shows on Remembrance Day. I think Remembrance Day is something that needs to be celebrated outside and in public because it's such a, a massive outdoor event, particularly for the veterans. So I think for it not to be live because of the pandemic that we've got, because of COVID, is so incredibly sad but it's also great that it continues it's going to continue online everything that we've done in the pandemic how businesses have continued and how tvs continue because of like zoom and, and that type of thing i'm actually excited to see how good it's going to be not just excited to see what it's going to be like i'm excited to see how good it's going to be it could potentially be even more poignant It's Betty Ball from Speak Up Sunderland here. On our next episode, again in light of Remembrance Sunday, I am chatting with Professor Esther Johnson about her film Asunder. It's all about Sunderland in the First World War. Trying to look at really local gems of stories and also kind of things that might not be collected in large archives, which I'm very interested. A poetical documentary using original music and nearly a hundred sources of archive footage. Monday, July the 3rd, 1916. The great Anglo-French offensive began on Saturday morning along a front of over 20 miles, mostly north of the Somme. But Asunda focuses on people who remained at home. The women, the children, and the untold stories of the people of the Northeast. It was hard physical work in a very male environment. But she played football with the other munitionettes on the sands near the Blythe Battery. On past imposing rock if you have not subscribed to Speak Up Sunland already, make sure you do so you can catch the next episode. It's mint! We've got go crack. <laughs>